The Pittsburgh Pirates fell 8-7 to to the L.A. Dodgers on Tuesday night. But Tuesday was a fun day for other reasons, and we already know why. Brian Reynolds got extended. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Game 1 of this series. Take a look at Game 2 and more here on the Locked On Pirates podcast on Wednesday, April 26th. You are Locked On Pirates, your daily Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome back to that Pirates podcast, everybody. My name is Ethan Smith, your host of the Locked On Pirates podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network where it's your team, your Pittsburgh Pirates, every day. And Tuesday was a very up-and-down day for Pittsburgh Pirates fans. Tuesday, April 25th, that is. Uh, Earlier in the day, of course, Brian Reynolds was extended to the largest contract in Pittsburgh Pirates history. But we'll get into that uh, later in the show. There was still a baseball game to play yesterday after all of this that Brian Reynolds was not allowed to take part in due to new CBA rules uh, for his return from the bereverment uh, list. So he could not return uh, from that on Tuesday night. And the Pirates bats, after what many considered, including myself, to be kind of a quiet series for the bats against the Cincinnati Reds, Woke up in this game. It was a game where the offense was there. Seven runs were scored, 12 hits were tallied, and the Pirates' offense for the first four innings really was on fire. I mean, they had all seven of uh, their runs scored in the first four innings, including a huge uh, four um, run fourth inning, which featured an Andrew McCutcheon three-run home run. But... As mentioned in the intro, all good things have to come to an end um, for any baseball team, that is. And the Pirates entered this game on a seven-game win streak. They had the off day yesterday. And the Dodgers are a challenge. I know they're missing a lot of players. They're missing Max Muncy. They're missing Bruce Dar Gratterall. They have Mookie Betts at shortstop right now. They had the introduction of Michael Bush into the lineup today for his Major League debut, and he got his first MLB hit. Uh, You had another young guy like James Altman who had two hits in this game. Miguel Vargas had two hits in this game. So this is still a very good Dodgers team that the Pirates faced on Tuesday night. And they responded to the outbreak against Noah Syndergaard in this game where he gave up all seven runs from the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'll let you guys in the comments uh, talk about that a little bit more because we know the background on Noah Syndergaard and the Pittsburgh Pirates. But really, this game boiled down to a lot of things. Uh, Johan Oviedo in that sixth inning, of course, had the bases loaded before he departed. Robert Stevenson would get out of that in the fifth inning. Um, He didn't go to the sixth inning, I don't think, did he? Uh, Yeah, he did. He pitched a five and one-third. Yes, he pitched five and one-thirds inning. So he did get into that sixth inning where he would only – He would leave Robert Stevenson with the bases loaded, and Robert Stevenson would only give up 
one of the runs that or uh, base runners that he inherited. And by that point, it was seven to five. It was like, okay, the Pirates, there, there was the Dodgers shot. Now you want to see the response, and the Pirates just never got the response. And then, of course, Jack Sawinski had the crazy play against Mookie Betts in this game that was absolutely phenomenal, where he climbs the uh, left field wall and robs Mookie Betts of a three-run home run. When the score was 7-5 to five with Robert Stevenson, may I add, that would have given the Dodgers the 8-7 advantage. But Jack Sawinski would rob Mookie Betts in what I consider the best defensive play of the year because he had everybody faked out on if he caught it or not. And the eighth inning rolls around, and Colin Holderman, who has been otherwise very good, for this Pirates team. He does let up some hard contact now and then. He has gotten into some bad spots, and he found himself in one of those again, um, where Jose Hernandez, the inning before that, looked really good. Uh, Two strikeouts against three batters against his former team. If we all remember, the Pittsburgh Pirates acquired Hernandez in the Rule 5 draft from the Los Angeles Dodgers. Had a very good outing here, again, with two strikeouts over three batters. It was unfortunate here for uh, Holderman. It was something that I didn't want to see happen for him, but Chris Taylor would go deep to left field on a ball that Jack Sawinski himself could not reach or rob, and the Dodgers won this game 8-7. to seven. And a lot of this boiled down to a lot of different things. One of them being, you can't play a team like the L.A. Dodgers and how good this team can be down the road and have three errors. It's just not going to work. You can't have that happen. You cannot have errors like that happen. Um, Of course, you had hedges on the catcher's interference, which, I mean, was just kind of one of those things that we probably won't ever see again from Austin Hedges this entire year. And then G1 Bay and Rodolfo Castro also had errors in this game as well that the Castro one led to a run. And I believe the G1 Bay uh, error led to a run as well. I don't remember, but G1 Bay's defense as of late has been very suspect. That is something I think that we need to keep an eye on. And the defense overall has kind of had some issues, but pitching has just been able to bail them out. And Johan Oviedo, for all intents and purposes here, he went, five and one-thirds innings, gave up five runs, but only allowed four runs, uh, technically. Had four strikeouts, two base on balls here. He didn't have a bad game. The starting pitching was fine again. Robert Stevenson even did well for the most part. Jose Hernandez did well. Dwayne Underwood Jr. gave kind of had a scare there in the top of the ninth inning where I thought the Dodgers were going to add some insurance, but Dwayne Underwood Jr. got out of it by yet another great defensive play from Key Brian Hayes and some great defensive awareness from Key Brian Hayes. But it was really just Colin Holderman getting blown up in that uh, eighth inning where this just all blew out of proportion for the Pittsburgh Pirates in a game that, again, you can argue this team – should have won. But, hey, uh, last year, this Pirates team, we would have been very happy with 16-8 and eight at this point in the season. And that's where the Pirates currently sit. And this loss stings coming off of one, a seven-game winning streak, and an off day after 17 straight games. You want to come back out and have a very good game. The bats showed up. 
And if you guys listened to my show yesterday with Tim Deverett, we did both say both of these teams need to outslug each other in this series. And that's what was happening here. Both offenses showed up. Both offenses put a lot of hits and runs on the board. And I expect nothing less uh, from that until Thursday. But on Wednesday today, we get Tony Gonzalez and Rowanzi Contreras. Tony Gonzalez making his debut in 2023. Rowanzi Contreras looking to continue a hot streak that he's been on. But that wasn't even the closest thing to the biggest news for the Pittsburgh Pirates on Tuesday. The biggest news of the day would come from Brian Reynolds. But we'll get into that here shortly. But we're going to hear a word from our sponsors. Today's episode of Locked On Pirates is brought to you by So Rare MLB. Our new sponsor, So Rare, is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, So Rare managers truly own their fantasy experience. Collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards and there's no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance. Collecting increasingly powerful cards and accessing next-level competitions and rewards. MLB game weeks happen twice weekly and span a three- to four-day cycle. At the end of game week, so rare MLB managers who rank at or near the top of their leaderboards win a variety of rewards, which can include so rare scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, and VIP experiences like meeting MLB stars. Prices may Prizes may vary depending on the competition. So head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn. That's spelled S-O-R. ARE.com to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's so rare.com slash locked on to start playing. And today's episode is also brought to you by the wonderful people over at FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. Plus, don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet again, up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. You can pick Aaron Judge with a home run, a pitcher to go over on strikeouts, or build a same-game parlay with your favorite matchups of the day. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball and the Locked On Pirates Podcast. And welcome back to the Locked On Pirates Podcast, everybody. My name is Ethan Smith. Of course, we have tons of content still coming to you to wrap up the month of April, the first month of the MLB season. Tomorrow's episode on Thursday will be with Craig Toth, where we talk about the Dodgers series at length. And then, of course, on Friday, we'll be talking to Ryan Clary of Locked On Nationals ahead of our weekend series against the Washington Nationals. But... Of course, in both of those episodes, as well as the episode that you're listening to here now on YouTube, Spotify, Odyssey, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts, Brian Reynolds is going to be a Pittsburgh Pirate for the remainder of this decade. It is 2023, and Brian Reynolds is signed through 2030. 
31. It has been a saga. It has been a saga of ups and downs. It has been a story of, does he want to be here? Is he going to get traded? Where is he going to get traded to? Are the Pirates going to trade him at the deadline? Are the Pirates going to extend him? Are the Pirates going to give him the money he wants? All we heard was question after question and trade proposal after trade proposal. And where was he going to end up? Was he going to go to the Yankees? Was he going to go to the Mets? Was he going to go to the Mariners? Was he going to go to the Padres? Was he going to go to the Astros? Was he? I mean, any team that was competing would want Brian Reynolds. And yet, after all this, Brian Reynolds signs an eight-year, $106 million contract to stay in Pittsburgh until 2031, and there is a lot to like about this deal. Firstly, it is the largest deal that has ever been handed out to a college outfielder. It is the largest deal in Pittsburgh Pirates history. It is the first three number million dollar contract in Pirates history. And it does a lot of things for this Pirates team moving forward. It really does. It it does a lot for this team moving forward. One, you now know that Brian Reynolds is here. And of course, in segment one, we talked about the first loss that we've seen in over nine days. And yeah, I mean, losses suck. It puts a damper on things. But now this team can move forward with knowing that their best player on the field in Brian Reynolds is going to be here for a while. That is a guy that these young guys can look up to. Now, we do know that Brian Reynolds is more of a low-maintenance guy. He's a leader in the clubhouse for sure, but he's not an Andrew McCutcheon or Carlos Santana-esque leader where he's going to be very vocal about these things. He's not a very vocal guy. Just watch any interview that Brian Reynolds has ever done. He is not a very vocal guy. He stays close to the chest, and that's what I boiled this down to uh, when I was talking to some of the locked-on hosts who asked me, why did he take less money here? Well, he met in the middle with the Pirates. He stated that he wanted a team-friendly deal and a player-friendly deal at the same time that was going to benefit both sides, and he's a low-maintenance guy that wanted to stay in a low-maintenance market. The Pittsburgh Pirates do come with history, for sure. They come with a history. They come with a lot of history. But in recent years, the Pirates are not really talked about that much just because they have been a dumpster fire. They have. They have not been very good in the Ben Charrington era. And now they're 16 and 8 and they're being talked about because, I mean, they still are atop the National League right now and still the amongst the lead of the NL Central at this early stage of the year. But Brian Reynolds knows that he's not going to get the same criticisms that he would get in Pittsburgh as he would in New York or L.A or even Houston, for that matter, or Atlanta, for that matter. There's a lot of places that Reynolds could have been traded to that would have made sense, but he's here. And this also opens the door now for people to look at the fact that the Pirates have devoted $180 million nearly to two players over the course of a calendar year. I mean, last year, Key Brian Hayes was signed around this time 
at the beginning of the year, post-lockout, to what was the largest contract in Pirates history at the time. Now the Pirates re-up it and sign it with Brian Reynolds. Now, obviously, inflation has led to that. Um, Reynolds being a phenomenal player and the Pirates wanting to keep him here has led to that. But it's not a joke to see this Pirates team really devote this much money to guys like Key Brian Hayes and Brian Reynolds. It's not. It's it's a ind- indication that this team wants to move forward with a core, and they want to have that core here for a while, and they've done that with Key Brian Hayes. They've done that now with Brian Reynolds, ironically, both on eight-year deals, on eight-year extensions. That is something that is noteworthy for this team. But what it does now is then – you can also start looking at the other players on this team that the Pirates can think about extending soon at lower prices than this, may I add. Like a Mitch Keller, who has proven to be the ace in your staff thus far this year and proven to be a very good pitcher despite his early struggles in his career. You then look at O'Neill Cruz, who sadly, despite his injury, will be out for the next four months, but to his credit, is going to be a phenomenal player for this team for years and is also somebody I think the Pirates view as a core piece of this roster for a while. So that opens the door now where you're going to start seeing the likes of O'Neill Cruz be talked about in extension talks. You're going to see Mitch Keller be talked about in extension talks. You're going to hear about Rowanzi Contreras' name if he continues to progress. David Bednar is another guy, especially the Pirates are going to plan on winning for a while. They're going to want to keep one of the best closers in baseball in Pittsburgh, especially a Mars native in Pittsburgh, a fighting planet. It's something they're going to want to do. So Reynolds doing this now allows the Pirates to kind of structure how they want to work these contracts out. Now, are there going to be casualties per se that are not going to get extended because of this money being shelled out to Reynolds? That's to be determined. But it's $15 million a year at most until that club option in 2031 chooses if it's $20 million a year. There's incentives to the deal that could allow them to make $124 million a year. Or not $124 million a year, $124 million over the course of the contract. This is something the Pirates can pay. This is not an astronomical contract that we're talking about here. It is the largest the Pirates have ever signed in their history, but it's also somewhat of a flexible contract, as well as the Hayes contract. Like, you look at it by a year-by-year basis, and you're really only devoting about 35 maybe $40 million dollars not even if that, if I'm doing my math wrong, to both Key Brian Hayes and Brian Reynolds. That is a recipe for success to have a gold glove third baseman and your best player be in the ballpark of about $9 million and $15 million every single year where you're devoting about 25 to $30 million to those two guys. That gives you flexibility moving forward financially to talk to guys like Mitch Keller, to talk to guys like Rowanzi Contreras, to talk to guys like O'Neill Cruz, to talk to guys like Andy Rodriguez whenever that time comes, to talk to guys like Henry Davis when that time comes to think, uh, pan out. This deal helped both sides. Brian Reynolds wanted to stay here. The Pirates wanted him to stay here. And they met in the middle financially. 
for all intents and purposes of everything that was reported. And this is a phenomenal thing, not only for the Pittsburgh Pirates, not only for Brian Reynolds. This is a phenomenal thing for baseball. You want to see guys like Brian Reynolds stay with teams like the Pittsburgh Pirates for this long period of time. Because the other thing that this does for Brian Reynolds, this is a security blanket for him. He wasn't going to hit free agency until 2025. He was under control through that whole year. He was going to be in his 30s at that point, which scares opposing teams that are going after guys. That is something that scares general manager Lay for some reason, even though we're watching two 36-year-olds and Andrew McCutcheon and Carlos Santana, for all intents and purposes, lead this team, not only as leaders in the clubhouse, but also with their play on the diamond. So this is a security move for both teams. This is a great move for both teams. And like myself, everybody should be jumping for jubilation at this deal. It's a phenomenal deal for both teams. It could not have worked out better for the Pirates to re-sign Brian Reynolds to an extension after last year when we saw his arbitration years bought out as well. So this is a phenomenal time to be a Pirates fan. It's a great time to be a Pirates fan. And honestly, if you want to, you know, dabble in um, the general manager scope with Ben Sherrington now completing this deal with Brian Reynolds, if you want to be a general manager of a baseball team and re-sign your best player to an extension or do what you want with them, go to Ultimate Pro Baseball GM right now in the App Store or go to probaseballgm.com because Pro Baseball GM is the coolest game I've played in a long time. I've always thought I could be a great Major League GM. As it turns out, it's not all that easy. If you've had the same thought and have fantasized about managing your own franchise, go and download Pro Baseball GM immediately. The game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of a franchise, playing through seasons, and leading your franchise in fantasy glory as you build a historic dynasty. In the simulation, you're responsible for hiring the right coaches and staff, managing team finances, scouting and drafting players, managing through difficult personalities and injuries, navigating your franchise through free agency, and all the ups and downs in a season. All of this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Baseball GM is completely free and playable offline, on the go, as you want and when you want to. And Locked On Pirates listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo Locked On in the game store, so make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit ProBaseballGM.com, scan the code, or look it up in the app stores. That's ProBaseballGM.com. Ultimate Baseball GM, start your dynasty Today, while we're here, uh, Thursday, NFL Draft, go check out Christopher Carter over at Locked On Steelers. The NHL playoffs are going on, and normally the Penguins would be in them, but after the Brian Burke era is now done, and the Ron Hextall era is now done, go check out Hunter Hodes over at Locked On Penguins, and then check out Nick Farbaugh for all things Pitt, football, basketball, whatever he's talking about over there with the University of Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh Pirates will go into game two of this series after a game that, as I mentioned earlier, it seemed like they should have won. Now, the defensive errors were a big reason why they lost. Uh, Johan Oviedo, I think, might have been left in just a little too long in this game. 
And then, of course, Colin Holderman got blew up in the eighth inning. But there was a positive to take away from this game, too. Now, let's keep in mind, this was not the Dodgers at full strength by any means. Will Smith was not in this game. Um, Max Muncy was not in this game. Bruce Dark Gratterall was not in this game. There's a lot going on in Dodger land right now. Dodgers are still a very good team, as we saw on Tuesday night. The fact that the Pirates were able to have three errors in this game, the fact that the Pirates had 12 hits in this game and were able to have a five-run lead, albeit they blew said five-run lead, these are positives. Okay? I know it's hard to take positives away from it. I mean, they just had their seven-game win streak taken away, and they lose game one of the series. Things are really looking up. Like, it seems like the Brian Reynolds extension was going to be capped off by another win. The win streak was going to continue. It didn't happen. It's fine. Losses were going to happen. The Pirates were never going to go on, like, a 145-game win streak. It's fine. But there was a lot of things that the Pirates could learn from a game like this. One, no lead is safe in baseball. Two, you're going to have to outslug this team, and you're going to have to outslug teams that are good, like the Dodgers. Let's just say the Braves, for instance, are a team that is going to hit the baseball, a team that's not too far away on the horizon. The Tampa Bay Rays, who they'll see next week in Tropicana Field, is a team that the Pirates are going to have to hit the baseball against because not only do these teams hit the baseball well, they also have pretty good pitching too. Tony Gonsolin was an all-star last year. That's who the Pirates are going to see tonight. You then have Julio Urias on Thursday against Mitch Keller. That's a game where the Pirates are going to have to find a way to get some hits and some runs on the board against a very good starting pitcher. These are just things that this young team is going to have to learn. And this loss, I think, did amplify some things here over that win streak. There were moments and times over this season already that the Pirates did put themselves in spots that were kind of concerning, like Dowry Moretta getting into jams all the time, or Colin Holderman doing the same thing, or Robert Stevenson allowing a lot of tough contact and being bailed out by Jack Sawinski on a robbery of a Mookie Betts home run. These are all things that happen, but baseball is a game that's prided on luck. Sometimes you got to get lucky. And on Tuesday night, they just didn't get lucky. Andrew McCutcheon had a chance there with the bases loaded and two outs down a run to at least tie the game. He had a 3-1 uh, count there. And it really felt like that pitch that he swung at that he popped up to Austin Barnes was a pitch that he should have probably taken. But I'm not going to nitpick at that. And to take a look at this game today, I mean, I think it still prides true here for what the Pirates need to do in this game to win. They need to hit the baseball like they did on Tuesday night. They will hopefully get another good start out of Rowanzi Contreras in their starting pitching, and the bullpen is just going to have to find ways to stay out of trouble. That's just how they're going to have to win games. And hopefully the starting pitching, albeit the streak of quality starts ended and all of that stuff, but as long as they keep giving you at least five good innings of baseball, the bullpen doesn't really have an excuse. They haven't been overworked yet this year. They have not been, like, super tired. 
But let's also remember this too here. They did just have 17 straight games before yesterday's off day. They might have been a little sluggish on Tuesday night. It's fair to say. But a loss is a loss. You just have to come back and play the next game. And the Pirates are 16-8 and eight right now. If they want to go out and show people that they are a good baseball team, you know what good baseball teams do after they take a loss in game one of a series? They respond. And I'm expecting the Pirates to respond tonight. I think they're going to beat Tony Gonsolin tonight in his debut in 2023. I think Rowanzi Contreras is going to have a very good game, and I think the Pirates bounce back and call, uh, take us to a rubber match on Thursday. That's what I think will happen. But we will have to wait and see what happens. But my name is Ethan Smith of the Lockdown Pirates Podcast. Again, on Thursday's show, you're going to have Craig Toth of Bucks in the uh, Bucks basement. We're going to talk about this Dodgers series at length. We're going to talk about a bunch of other things. We're going to talk about the Reynolds extension, some prospect news, all that good stuff. And then, of course, on Friday, we're going to have a locked on crossover with Ryan Clary of Locked On Nationals ahead of that series in DC. Guys, my name is Ethan Smith. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at MVP underscore Ethan or at Locked On Pirates. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your Wednesday. Catch me on Twitter tonight during the game, and I will see you on the flip side.